0: Hello and welcome to the 156th episode of the Filmmaker's Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to turn out to effort it up in a very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director and producer, and I'm delighted to be welcomed on the show, live from his house. <laughs> it is <the> incredible producer, <laughs> Robbie McCain. Hello. Oh, I'm
1: welcoming you, am I? That's that's, uh, uh, that's interesting.
0: Yes, into your house. <laughs> <Okay>.
1: Lovely. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, how are you, Robbie? You alright? I'm very well, yeah. Yeah, staying safe in these kind of crazy, difficult times. But uh,
0: yeah, I know, we have to. We have to. Mm. Let's get back to that. Let's talk about this week's guest, first of all, which is Lorcan Finnegan. Yeah, uh, He's a director and just all-round great guy. You managed to sit down and have a lovely chat with him. Tell us about this week's episode coming up.
1: I did, yeah. And this is an interview we did um, back last year, actually, because we managed to catch his film vivarium at the london film festival
0: uh Mm -hmm. yeah yes because it stars imogen poots jesse jesse eisenberg Eisenberg. absolutely wow it's a kind of
1: black mirror sort of social sci-fi yeah it's a real mind bender and uh it's out now i believe on uh, on demand platforms so you can check it out
0: so he worked he went from shorts then he made a feature film called without name Mm -hmm. and then he went straight into making vivarium with his big huge talent i mean what a leap right does he do, do you go into details with him we do yeah we cover his sort of path from shorts to like his first feature to vivarium
1: and talk about how his style developed and how he kind of uh yeah basically um yeah how, how he was able to leverage the sort of success of each project and um, to to jump to the next stage basically and um Amazing. yeah he's very he's a very chill guy actually you'll you'll see in the interview, but he's he's very he downplays it quite a lot, <laughs> but um oh, cool but yeah, he's when I wasn't got there yeah, you were yeah, this is whilst you were filming Arthur and Merlin correct there
0: you go, yeah. yes. and what's the story it's on that was.
1: Giles? have you got an update
0: <laughs> yes, i have we have, uh, thank you, Robbie, for asking, uh, we have literally just um pretty much handed it in so this time tomorrow which is technically today because when you're listening to it um we'll have handed in arthur and merlin knights of camelot to signature and to film mode and how exciting is that so just last couple of days been scrambling getting everything together jeet and the have been brilliant getting all that tidied up and with our amazing um post-production team and and it's finished wrapped it all up now and it will be out in July, apparently, if all goes to blast. Hey, things are changing all the time right now, which is scary. Speaking of which, uh, the Make Your Film event, which didn't happen last week, obviously, because of the coronavirus, but what myself and Dom and Robbie have decided to do is do an online summit for you a Make Your Film Online Summit. Uh, how exciting is that?
1: It's pretty exciting, Giles.
0: The format may have changed, but the color of the guests is the saying and this is this is not um putting it in the way of like our events as soon as we can all get back out there we are going to do that and hopefully some of these guests will join us join us there as well but it is next monday or this monday uh, the 6th of april we are going to be in april very soon um so come join us it's online So anyone around the world listening to this and anyone who fancies sees it anywhere. uh, Obviously, if you're not listening to this, then that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Um, But but it is next Monday. It is the 6th. So come find us. Uh, The link will be in the show notes. Um, And at the moment, I think we might have to charge a nominal fee of a quid only because that's one pound. Because it does cost quite a bit. And I think you have to pay something to do it but we wanted so to keep it as almost free as possible <laughs> yeah. yeah um but the guest we have uh, we have the fantastic christy wilson cairns from 1917 she's, she's going to so be great. there and you can ask her questions uh, you can put questions in a little box and then we pick out the best ones or you all guys up upvote them. Um, We also have Finn Glynn, the producer of Mad to be Normal, Jack Binder, the uh, Oscar-nominated producer of First Reformed, and we have Colin Gowdy, the editor of Star Wars Rogue One. And what we're going to do, I know, is go into detail (laughs) about pre-production about scripting about getting your project ready for when the time is right so we're going into detail about development so if you have a project that is in development which everyone does i imagine then come join us uh, like i say link's in the show notes it's going to be great that's next monday the 6th um yeah be all over twitter as well so just click the link come join us it's going to be ace yeah fun right that. And you don't even have to leave your house it's great (laughs) i know even better because you can't anyway you're not allowed and you shouldn't there you go unless you're going for a jog or taking the dog for a walk have you heard mark strong's um voiceover for it no i haven't i love it you know the government adverts saying do not leave your home that's mark (laughs) strong that's our man that's our boy how great is that yeah it's so Um, apt
1: that he he is the voice of um authoritative (laughs) kind of safe, safety precaution control it is
0: yeah it is wash your hands <laughs> and also we have some shout outs this week some lovely people have messaged about last week's episode and the weeks before thank you so much to listen to diane and paul knight's um escapades about how they made a film four eight ten grand in eight days i mean that's pretty impressive the film's out now it's done really well that's called 24 little hours go check it out but listen to the podcast about how to do that but shout out to this week to kelly Jewelly, um seb cox claire b um 3t on twitter simon cox um victor rios michael gorman keith Quinn, and mo wanny and the team who have their Uh, indiegogo campaign going now for their film immune which they'd kind of set up before all this covid nonsense happened but it's about a pandemic an author or authoritarian government hunts those who are immune to the virus it's a sci-fi thriller um do click the link there and help if you can the halfway to their goal and they finish in 18 days so they're doing really really well yeah, sounds amazing. and Leslie Ann McFarland. yeah who you've worked with the guys before yeah lot, you, Robbie? he's a good guy
1: Rob uh, so definitely check out his his campaign and back it if you can
0: so there you go so do support that if you can and finally Robby you want to ask me something
1: yeah Giles um tell me more about the dare what's going on what's what's the Ah, what's the status update on the dare
0: thank you Robbie yes Um, the dare is doing really well we're still in the top of the iTunes charts for uh, America and Canada so if you're in those two places do go check it out it is available we're getting I can't believe the reviews um, over the moon with the response from the fans if you like your horror if you like it visceral if you like it gory if you like it out there and psychological please go check it out and if you do give it a nice review um, online that honestly means the world to us and serial killers guide to life is also out as well so if you like your horror a little bit more funny um a bit more comedy to it then the serial killers guide to life is for you so uh two films there i've Self been hearing it's uh, getting a lot of done. love
1: in the netherlands the day um, is that it right? It did really well yeah. in
0: Holland, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cinemas apparently did packed out business. Those, those Dutch horror fans, yeah. <laughs> Don't there underestimate they are. I them. I love you all. We'll find out some more news soon about where it is also going to be released. So do check out our Twitter, at The Dare. Um, are you surviving, Robbie, through all this, by the way?
1: I am surviving, yes.
0: Uh, you know. I'm, I mean, properly, I'm, because it's hard. Yeah, it's... I mean, uh, like, are you not <laughs> dying in a corner right now, <laughs> pretending?
1: No, I'm. I'm incredibly fortunate to be healthy and well and um you know i'm very thankful for that it's it's a weird situation like having to you know go out and shopping for food is a completely different experience i imagine most people who uh, make films probably have the same thing where they they look at these situations that are typically you're so used to being very ordinary and they're suddenly a bit more surreal and loaded with kind of tension uh, because of the current situation mm. and you can't help but sort of thinking and le- letting your imagination run wild a bit but um but yeah it's obviously yeah, still very important to stay safe everyone and yeah maintain the, maintain social distancing
0: and all of that oh, uh, nice. let's listen yeah. to mark strong maintain social distancing um, <laughs> at
1: the moment i'm having to do a lot of remote work do a lot, doing a lot of editing based stuff i know a lot mm-hmm. of people are directors are typically they're now doing things like storyboarding and other sort of tasks which are a bit more you can do remotely how's it affecting you
0: um interesting i've i feel like i haven't stopped because we had to deliver king arthur um knights of camelot and i had still had loads of stuff to do on the dare i'm still editing uh, little clips up now for socials and stuff like that i feel and i had scripts to write and deliver at a certain time so i've had actually no time at all it's been I've been I feel like I've been busier than normal all I have done is just not leave the house to go to meetings there I've had them online or I've you know so my time has been really full on so next week and the week after I'm kind of thinking that's when it might hit me a bit more Mm. but I've found that Especially with scripting and all that sort of stuff A lot of people are just cracking on They're sort of going well I'm going to use this time wisely And I'm going to create my packs And my uh, mood reels And get the script properly tight And do your budgets and all that So when the time comes When you can go out there You're ready And that's I suppose what the Make a Film Online Summit will be about Is making sure you're ready for those moments But that's what I'm doing I'm I'm getting myself ready Um, So I'm not stopping, I haven't stopped yet Amazing. And I think that it's kind of a good thing yeah. in my mind. Yeah. You got to maintain
1: but, that momentum and do do yeah. this is it's it's almost like a in some ways uh, obviously if you're if you're well and healthy and you're working inside it's in some ways it's a gift because you you're, you're now forced to be able to do some of these things like writing or developing that script mm-hmm. you always wanted to or developing some of those concepts you wanted to um, maybe doing some work submitting things entering competitions all of that kind of thing. Um, supporting other people's crowdfunding campaigns you know all of this stuff Mm, where you may be too busy in your ordinarily your ordinary um work pattern to do you can now you you can now do so i would yeah treat treat it as a gift almost um even though it's obviously i think we have to yeah (laughs) that's uh, the best thing you can do if you're still working under these conditions
0: absolutely yeah and that's great advice so Shall we get to it? Let's do it, this yeah. This episode. Without further Lorcan ado. Lorcan Finnegan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In my interview with Mr. This is a f- Lorcan Finnegan, director of Vivarium. I'm delighted to be joined by Lorcan Finnegan. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How's it going? Yeah, all right. What have you been up to today?
2: Uh, doing press for Vivarium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just flew, I got in from Sitges. Um, we we're screening there. The other day so we just flew in from barcelona
1: um late last night the flight was delayed so literally just got up and started doing press again awesome and uh of course we're in the middle of the london film festival mm-hmm. um have you had a chance to actually see anything
2: now literally just got in um late last night and started doing press this morning so and i'm leaving to go to busan in korea tomorrow morning at around like a horrible time I think we have to get up at about five or
1: something that sounds pretty awesome so um, yeah getting up really early (laughs) or going to Busan what festival is that for
2: Um, that is it's a South Korean festival it's kind of like the South it's kind of the Asian Cam. Basically, mm. they have it's like the biggest
1: uh, festival in Asia. Yeah, so it's our Asian premiere, and you're not going to be getting a train to Busan, are you? Unfortunately, not. Actually, <laughs> I'd love to, and um, that For would be cool. Of the zombie film.
2: Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, uh, it got us an interconnecting flight from Seoul down to Busan in an hour or something, but.
1: A train would have actually been awesome. (laughs) You could have relived the movie. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Awesome. Well, well, today we're going to talk about Vivarium, your new film. And we're also going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how you started, how you got going and Mm -hmm. your your first film, of course, without name. I think first off the bat, like I've seen Vivarium and one of my favorite kind of new genres is this kind of emerging like social thriller, soft sci-fi kind of. Or non-core sci-fi, where it's sort of near future, <laughs> right? But you're not going totally overboard with the sci-fi, and this has become kind of quite popular with things like Black Mirror and stuff, yeah. and Get Out, and a lot of these kind of things like that. Yeah. And your work kind of is like putting a different spin on that sort of genre. It's part of this sort of nest of you know different sort of subgenres of that that kind of sci-fi. Yeah, that are yeah. Coming
2: out. I don't think that that's necessarily a new uh, thing. It's more like a resurgence of an older thing yeah, like yeah. Uh, more 60s 70s like uh, a twilight zone
1: thing you think yeah, so, yeah yeah
2: like um where people would be talking about socio-political ideas mm. but through a sci-fi story yeah um, as a way of talking about what's going on in the world you know um so that kind of was popular and that kind of died out and now it, i guess just culturally
1: there's a need for it again and is that something you sort of identify with a lot with your work? You know, in terms of channeling that, because obviously, you're. I think with both of these films, mm. they're both sort of similar in the sense that it's a seemingly normal setup, but then kind of slowly unravels to become a very yeah. something very creepy and supernatural.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they're both they're both very different, but they're both kind of um, like without name, I suppose, could be. Um, could be interpreted as a sort of eco horror or like uh, environmental horror because of mm. some of the ideas and themes in it. And um, I'm a very, um, is definitely a kind of, um, there's a lot of metaphor in there about the, Suc- the social uh, about contracts. And yeah. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: the state of yeah, living today. Mm. Um, can you tell me about how you got going in the first place with like some of your early shorts? Mm. Um, what was your kind of like route into the industry?
2: Yeah, I mean, I studied graphic design originally and um, some of the projects I was doing in, in college in graphics where I was kind of like making like a fake trailer for like a type um, project or something, you know, and um, kind of using, squeezing in sort of narrative things just because I like messing around with cameras and, um, you know, editing and all that kind of thing. So because I was doing a bit of that with my my friends anyway, we were kind of, you know, I guess people's parents had bought handy cams, little Sony things. And um, so we were shooting stuff and uh, messing around with escape videos and sketches and um, doing a bit of, you know, what you call it like re- reality comedy you know like mm. um gluing money to the road and then watching people try and pick it up or whatever <laughs> hiding in the bush <laughs> um, so we we're doing we we're messing around doing all that kind of stuff and then um when i finished college i got a job like so, so the, yeah made a few kind of short they weren't really short films they were kind of like fake trailers and a kind of interactive game that was all stop motion and stuff um and then I got a job working for zapatron um which is uh, charlie brooker's company mm. um as a kind of, as a runner at first, and then i started um they're making like the first mobile content for um phones before that was kind of like they were called video phones mm. there's no like uh four g or three g or whatever, so phones weren't able to access uh content like they can now. So they were coming preloaded with videos. So they'd got some sort of contract to make a whole lot of content for these, uh, for three, uh, three mobile, mm. which We call the coaches in one power back then. And, um, so I was supposed to be on that team of people making that stuff. And then, so we we're kind of shooting, ended up shooting stuff and editing it for them. And then I was kind of, uh, doing that then instead of making tea or whatever. And, um, acting in them sometimes and (laughs) came up with a few sketches and stuff to shoot Mm. um so that was all that was kind of that for like two years um and we made like a lot of stuff and uh it was all super cheap like basically no budgets (laughs) Mm. (laughs) um but it was good fun and um and while working there actually i borrowed a camera and um like a pd-150 sony and shot a sketch show uh with my friends called the lovely show and um it ended up being like about 18 minutes long a kind of uh, pilot because mm. um, we were big into sketch comedy at the time yeah and um and kind of absurdist sketch stuff and surrealism
1: and um Charlie Brooker's Screen Wipe is full of that, definitely. If you yeah, yeah. Well, I
2: don't know if I was all that influenced by the stuff that we were doing in there. I mean, he was making Nathan Barley at the time. Ah, uh, okay. And uh, I got to be in that as an extra as well, which is kind
1: of cool. But, uh, One of the Hoxton kind of uh, crowd
2: No, members. I was actually, I think I was a lamp <laughs> in at a party. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> but, but I mean, we were with, like that was a big train and the fast show and all that kind of stuff was on, you know. Um, So made that and it kind of you know sent that around a few places and it was too way too weird for Irish TV because uh, I'd moved back to Dublin at that stage Um so I produced a TV show called uh, Wonder Screen mm. um 'cause I guess I was just into short format stuff at the time Um sketches are kind of like short films in a way and um, I yeah, so my wife and I produced this series for TV called Wonderscreen. It was like a collection of short films and animations from all around the world, sort of packaged into uh, episodic things. And there's like 13 episodes and um, that was cool. I saw like millions of short films from all over the world um, and got to pick them and all that kind of stuff and license them. And so I, I think I was just, I was like, obviously at the time thinking oh, I really want to make a short film. Um, like one of these like that got distribution and all that kind of thing Mm. so uh i wrote three short scripts um and sent them into uh they're called they're called screen ireland now but it was the irish film board Mm -hmm. and um they picked one of them and um i made that it was called changes it's about like uh two caterpillars that are in love and then uh they turn into chrysalises uh beside each other they're like oh we'll see you soon they kiss each other and then when uh they hatch out as butterflies uh the girl thinks she's just completely changed she turned into a bitch <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she tells the guy that he looks stupid the wings look ridiculous on him and the colors and everything and um she flies off and she gets eaten by a frog but so it was like an animated. Um, Film. almost yeah
1: yeah yeah it was a nice
2: little it was a nice little thing. It was, uh it was it was a mixture of live action and animation um
1: uh and illustrations and stuff it was good fun so um so already you're kind of dabbling in this kind of this story mixed, mode which, yeah uh, it was which very kind we, of mixed
2: media kind yeah. of stuff yeah um out of necessity really because i wanted to tell the story and i didn't i was i didn't study animation so i kind of learn how to animate um that stuff so it's a mixture of there's some stop motion there's like after effects kind of stuff and um 3d cameras moving through space and I scanned all these drawings and
1: separated them out into the space so um it was, it was good fun um so that was just a, a decision like to make it an animation like you you never it never crossed your mind to like well i've filmed stuff before as sketches so maybe i should try and make this live action it was purely yeah, based was on what that. was needed for the script yeah yeah i mean i did write the scripts as being
2: (laughs) butterflies was already you know i think it would have uh i guess at the time i thought it's kind of uh, you know i think filmmakers in some way need to be slightly delusional thinking that they can just make anything you know that uh you'll figure it out um but because i'd studied design i kind of knew a little bit about after effects and all that kind you of sort a bit more confidence with the animation side yeah yeah i kind of thought that it would be um that i'd be able to make it look good um without having to spend a lot of money on lights and cameras and i didn't know about any of that stuff either like i wouldn't know i wouldn't have a clue where to begin with uh production stuff mm-hmm. you know so um we made that and then that did kind of well it was in a bunch of festivals uh, it was actually here in the BFI like years oh, wow. ago in like 2006 or two thousand seven. and then um made another short film called uh
1: defaced
2: and then made an, uh, made a bunch
1: more short films and then you made foxes
2: oh. yeah so that was the first live action mm. uh short um So that was when I met Garrett Shanley, the writer I work with Mm -hmm. and, um, we were trying to come up with something, um, to do together. And he'd written this, uh, he has a blog and he, um, he'd written this kind of first person essay, uh, called Foxes about a couple who end up trapped in this kind of weird place. And, um, I thought it was great. I thought it would make a really good short film. So we developed it into uh, scripts and submitted that. Um, I think it was also, though, like, at the time, the live-action shorts and stuff that were getting made, they they were getting funded we're all very kind of kitchen sink
1: drama kind of stuff mm. it's all quite well it wasn't stuff that i was interested in so this is almost a subversion of that because you're taking some of those ingredients but like just yeah a completely but it was also a way of like
2: say that's why i think also the reason i did uh, animate, animated animated shorts because i was able to get away with more mm. uh, and be a little bit <clears throat> more metaphorical um so then with foxes i kind of knew we needed to get the money we needed something that was kind of political enough and kind of serious enough for them to think oh yeah we have to give them the money for this but <laughs> at the same time enjoyable enough for us so it kind of combines some socio-political ideas with um it's kind of a
1: it's a supernatural horror mm. short really so you have having to play a bit of a game there to make sure you you got the funding for you know the story you wanted to tell
2: yeah yeah a little bit yeah i mean um i don't know if it was so thought out <laughs> but um it, it worked anyway uh the plan worked and uh so that was like a first kind of okay we you know it was uh very challenging uh set in a very kind of strange world Uh it was live action we did uh actors uh, dp and production designer and all that kind of stuff mm. um so it was like a five-day shoot and um it won it won a bunch of awards and stuff like that, which then attracted agents. Um yeah, my UK agent kind of saw it and liked it and uh, assigned with independent and um and we started working on Bavarium actually after that. Oh wow. Um but it took so long to to finance because it was gonna be quite expensive to make on a bigger scale. hmm Um
1: that we made without name in between. Okay. So backing up a little bit, when you were, when you're shooting Fox, was that, the, was that the first time you were stepping on set as a director, kind of working with the crew and stuff?
2: Um, I I'd started making some ads before then that were um a mix of live action animation, so like we had hired DP and and lights and mm-hmm. had a few people doing helping us with stuff. Right. So you had a bit of experience with that already. A bit, yeah, but it was definitely a kind of whoa look at all the people <laughs> you know, <laughs> on set. You know like all like the money 35 people or something yeah uh but we had about 70 grand or something to make it so right. uh, it was actually you know it was it was pretty achievable. substantial yeah um and, and i i had friends that you know that um helped me with like cgi and all that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. i knew and i kind of knew a good bit about that stuff but they were like really really good at it so um we're able
1: to we're able to make it and for that sort of development and funding side of process so how was that in terms of taking the concept with the writer and then building that into the script was that quite a collaborative thing or how did you handle that with the with the writer do you mean the short or the short yeah um it was an unusual one because this was
2: almost the story was kind of there it was um it, it wasn't a script but so um I think once we decided we were going to do it, we we had to hand in a script. So we just talked about it, and we—I um, guess it was the first time collaborating in that way. With oh no, it wasn't actually because we. When I first met Garrett, we um, met at this thing called Catalyst Project, which is a little bit like the Microwave Scheme here or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's like a kind of uh, a lab where you yes, yeah, like a low yeah exactly. Or... So they were going to they were going to finance three films at around three hundred grand and they had like you know 500 applicants or whatever mm. and you all had to kind of do a week long set a, a week of a seminars week of, and yeah. stuff talks and p- producers talking about you know how you do low budget stuff and bit like of, a bit like i features over here and yeah okay eye features right so um that was in 2007 i think mm. um and we met uh, he posted a thing on the forum saying he was looking for a director, and I said uh, I was looking for a writer. And um, I think we, I think we had to list the kind of stuff we were into. and we We're both into kind of the same stuff. Um, it's like this it is like a lonely hearts ad <laughs> or something. <laughs> and um, we met up. Oh, I think then also coincidentally we were sitting beside each other and we were slagging whoever was talking, thinking <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then, then we realized we were we were the people who said we'd meet, and um, we got on. But we. We wrote. Uh, we came up with a story for that. I had this idea about a doppelganger, um, who became. It was like it was a story of a, a programmer, a recluse programmer. It's kind of a bit ridiculous, isn't it? But well, it could still be good. Mm. Um, who um, invented invented a Second Life type world, yeah. and he created a character for himself, um, that was everything that he isn't. Uh, in his kind of in second life because at the time second life was kind of a thing people were talking yeah, about yeah sure and um and his digital self started appearing in his real life and sort of stealing his life away right um, so kind of like a Tyler Durden type Was kind situation. of yeah, yeah but it was more of a comedy okay um and the the, the place is called utopia uh, it was before the tv show but with <laughs> these people were like uh utopians that so everyone had their doppelgangers but then these doppelgangers were Coming back into the real world and using USB keys to suck people up, the the other version and stick them because they mm-hmm. wanted to live on in on Earth and uh, they wanted to escape the digital world. Anyway, yeah. it was it was a bit mental and it was way too expensive to make. But we <laughs> uh, we wrote a draft of it and handed it in and we're shortlisted and we had an interview and stuff. But they were like, "This is going to cost way more, than three hundred grand, um, to make." And we're like, "Yeah." Probably. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so <laughs> then we came up with, uh, we then we put in foxes as a okay. kind of uh, so, alternative. So what's it like learning that process? Because I think every filmmaker has gone through that, where you you kind of maybe a bit too optimistic with what you can achieve with budget yeah. at a certain stage, and then you have to learn to scale back and think like, right, what can I realistically achieve? And when you and when you put those limitations on, you kind of the results are a lot more effective
2: yeah i don't think you ever learn you're always more <laughs> ambitious than like this ambition versus reality is just like a constant problem yeah um and you kind of have to do the best with what you've got um, even though you always want more, more mm. time more money more you know bigger everything sure um but reality then puts limitations on things and um you often problem solve Based it, Actually, if you know the parameters, it's good. On very it was a bit trickier because the parameters kept changing. Um, like the budget was bigger and then it got smaller and then it, we yeah. got some money from somewhere else and then somebody dropped out a week before shooting and our seven-week
1: production schedule turned into five and yeah. a half weeks. And so... I was gonna say i don't think i've ever seen that many studio logos on the front of a film yeah Very yeah i know yeah <laughs> it's quite a few yeah good time um, <laughs> so that must have been we'll get into that in a bit yeah I imagine but like so
2: scene. so you know you're kind of like ah okay then we've got this whole scene that was supposed to have this many setups but now i have to do the scene in like one shot mm. or two shots or whatever mm. Um. so it just force you into um thinking about all that kind of stuff but, um you yeah, uh, know it's a really good book by uh, Bruce Block, Visual Story. I think. Okay, it's like a visual language book. Anyway, it's about um, visual storytelling oh. and like explaining stuff in, the, in a single image or yeah. Um, so sounds like a designer's book, or oh, if you're designers, approach yeah, designers kind of into it. it. But it's it's by film. <laughs> mm. um, so I always find like I, I read that I think before making foxes, um, and it was very handy on where you're just thinking of what you want emotionally from one picture like if it was just a photograph to be able to get a sense of what's going on in that picture emotionally Mm -hmm. and um, what you're trying to say so um, when you've got very little time um, for coverage it's kind
1: of it's really good to be able to Mm -hmm. fall back on that you know. So you get some uh prestige from foxes and you start developing Vivarium at that stage, yeah. right? Um so can you talk about the process of how you then switch to without name and uh your kind of the production cycle on that? Yeah, yeah. So that was basically the next round
2: um of Catalyst. Mm. So like there was a big gap of years where they didn't where the where the um the funding or whatever it's called program yeah um, they did it once and then they didn't do it again for years and then we were like working on Bavarium and it was taking forever and there was all these notes and uh it came up again it was like announced oh they're doing another round of Catalyst and I was mm. like right this time <laughs> this time we're doing one so um Garrett and I have been talking about like because we've been working together on other things we end up going off on tangents and kind of creating these other projects that we'll come back to later and mm-hmm. and stuff like that Um we've been thinking about um, a kind of a spirit entity that protects a place and it does so by by trapping somebody in us and then they're only released when they trap the next person mm-hmm. so they're like uh, centurion kind of spirits okay. of a natural habitat yeah, yeah yeah um and and i know a lot of the kind of irish folklore around fairies and yeah. um, which were very kind of poetic and interesting not like fairies with little wings like tinkerbell or something but more like the way that Light will refract across the surface of a lake with a breeze uh-huh. is like evidence of fairies. Yeah. So it's kind of like when you see beauty in nature, It's like a phenomena. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of like like what it is that you know, like um, the canopy of, of uh, a forest when you look up and it kind of moves and sways, and you're like, oh, it's got a kind of ethereal, beautiful quality. That that is like the spirit of the place, which are mm. the fairy. So, um we very quickly had to um we we applied and we, we had to you know do the seminars again and all that kind of stuff but we had an idea um early on and we'd already partnered up earlier on and mm-hmm. we, so we had the writer director producer because brunella uh Coquilio, who um we're married now um had helped me do college projects and then my f- my first shorts and all that kind of stuff and she produced foxes and um so was ready to go and produce feature as well mm-hmm. so um we applied we had the little bit of kind of uh, procedure whatever with the uh, foxes so it seemed like a good project and we were also very conscious this time around of being realistic <laughs> with <laughs> like um setting something up with we listened to the people who were talking, saying like, "Don't have loads of locations, don't have." We, we had a good few locations,
1: but don't have a lot, a lot of cast. Mm. And, uh, but you make good use of the natural environment as totally, well. Totally, yeah, yeah. Use the locations. Yeah. Um, and if you watch the trailer for Without Name, it yeah, it definitely stands up. It looks it looks amazing, and it's just right, that, yeah. that natural it's just beauty. Photography, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it costs nothing, really. Mm. You know, um, it's a good lesson for. For indie filmmakers out there. Yeah, yeah, like outside.
2: Display, <laughs>
1: <you know? laughs> and like if you get a storm or something, that's even better. Worked for Ben Wheatley with a field in England. Field in England, I mean, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Just <Totally>. show up. <laughs> Just in a field. Um, but please get permission. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so um,
2: we got it anyway. Mm. We got shortlisted and interviewed and all that kind of stuff. and um, So we were one of three uh, teams that made uh, film. We had to shoot before the... Before spring before so that i wanted as whole kind of thing about dendritic fractals and light you know the kind of repetition of uh the fractal pattern in nature and lightning and the roots of trees mm-hmm. and um and mushroom rooms and all that kind of stuff so um we had to shoot before the first buds appeared on the trees because I wanted them bare so we had to do it all really quickly. So we wrote the Garrett's the screenplay uh, first draft really quickly, and it was a bit too big, It was a little bit too mental. But that's always the way with first draft. It's like you know, mm-hmm. everything's on everything's, everything's, page. everything's yeah. there. Uh, so we paired it back, and um, we said we yes, our cast. We just set a date and just said we're going to stick with the date, no matter what, because it's always like. Um, well, I guess if you've got big casts, there's nothing you can really do because, <laughs> you know, a lot of the time the financing will be based on who you have in it. But with this, we didn't have any of those concerns. We were just being given all the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so we set a date and we started casting and we uh, we shot it in four weeks and... It was 21 days of actual shooting. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no special effects. I basically said in, in the application, there'd be no special effects apart from stuff that I can do myself on the computer, which uh, I had to do, which is, <laughs> which is painful, <laughs> way too many. <laughs> um, painting out stuff, really boring stuff. Okay, um, i got a couple of people to help me, but um, <laughs> then, then yeah, it premiered at Toronto um, in the Vanguard section. and um, You
1: say that really casually, just kind of like, how did you... <laughs> right. What was the submission process of that like? Oh, right, it? yeah. So, um, um, after Fox's,
2: uh, we kind of had a few kind of conversations with, um, with people. There's a company called XYZ Films in the mm-hmm. US, and I think they were, had seen my short probably the festival or something like that because they're into genre things anyway
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they uh, had heard they'd seen like the kind of press uh, announcement or whatever about these three films getting made and obviously without names, sounded like something kind of spooky and interesting so um they one of the guys there todd brown got in touch and said and um wanted to read the scripts and he's you know said we could be your uh, North American sales agents if, if you want and mm-hmm. I was like yeah that'd be cool so then they kind of helped with the submission process because
1: normally speaking to TIFF and yeah
2: yeah all that kind of thing so they all know each other because they spend all their time just going around festivals sure. and there's festivals you would I didn't know about you know I yeah. wouldn't know what category in whatever festivals yeah um so that's what's really handy to have
1: Good sales agents on your side, I guess. Yeah, totally. I didn't even know
2: what a sales agent was. So I'm still trying <laughs> to figure it out, really. Um, but they so they, they, said they'd help. Anyway, so that was cool. So um, we, I think we did a few submissions that we didn't get into. I think, yeah, it was, we didn't get into Southwest, Southwest, Um even though I'd premiered Foxes there, which is, uh, so I was like, oh, right. That's not very nice either. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there was a, good, a lot of good good kind of horror films that year. Yeah. Um, and then we had to wait until September. We, I think we had heard that we were getting in, but we had to wait about like three months or something. Um, so, yeah, it was cool. Uh, we premiered there and it, um, got good reviews and all that. You know, it wasn't uh, a blockbuster or anything because it's still a kind of uh, weird uh, uh, genre film that's slightly abstract and arty but um
1: it d- didn't have any really famous actors or anything yeah so yeah and what are your influences for things like that because obviously you you talked about the the writing process but are you coming up with the visual kind of ideas at that at the same time what's your kind of process for that you, obviously you're you've got a graphic design background do you yeah. do you kind of lots of storyboards do you do you how do you kind of create that visual side of it
2: yeah so um i mean like garrett is the writer so he he writes um i mean, he, he has you know, he describes things sometimes where you're go, oh, gonna do that like you know thinking think in, without name or something like uh a cathedral of light or something like that and you're like right um <laughs> but <laughs> um, thanks garrett how yeah, am i gonna do that yeah 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 so um but, yeah, I like a, a visual challenge. Um, we, yeah, I, I, I do, yeah, I storyboard um, all over that name um, based on the locations to so try and find, first of all, try and find the locations because- mm. see so you work especially, off the locations. Yeah, especially somewhere, it was the same with, with Foxes because it was location, like, was really important to it. Um, and then you go out and take photos and then you use those yeah, as a yeah. basis. Yeah, um, take pictures and figure it out based on the script where everything could be and
1: maybe change the script based on something you found that could work. And, and is that just for the locations or do you take people out to do the blocking there like to, as as a kind of previous um, version of that? Or?
2: I mean, if you had it, if you had the, that'd be a bit of a luxury to have the <laughs> actors and all that kind of stuff. I Not necessarily
1: actors, but... Um, you
2: yeah, know. yeah, well, yeah, my brought him, my brother when my brother, we did some tests. I put him in like a, a Zentai jumpsuit you know the full uh, morph suit the and um, it's kind of luminous green and the forest we shot them is kind of greyish to see if we could like pull a key from it and create this kind of void of blackness for mm. the this kind of shadow figure that appears there and um he ran around the place and just kept falling over because <laughs> he couldn't see anything <laughs> in the trees <laughs> and stuff Um uh, so it didn't work anyway we ended up uh, using felt because it has no reflections but um yeah um on both of those things and maybe that's also because of um design background and then going into animation where you have to create the environment for the story to take place within especially if it's a strange story so
1: um so you're very much used to having to create the world world the world first totally yeah and then create the action that's going on
2: yeah 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 yeah. so um foxes was a location that had to be very specific and then um without name it was very specific type of location as well and um, that was had a very atmospheric kind of uh place mm. and then on Vivarium, it was a place that because it didn't exist so we had to make it entirely yeah. a bit more like going back to making you know doing something animated um so we had to bit be- i did look at a lot of locations um but none of them were right really it just it would need too much work you need to close it off and you like in the script um it said you know there's no there's no wind. There's no rain. The the clouds are all the same. The sun kind of hangs and looks uh, a bit fake. It's always kind of low. Yeah, it's quite twilighty. And um, it, I think we referenced uh, "Empire of Light" by Reni Magritte uh-huh. a painting. Um, so there's very sp- specific look for the place they're trying to achieve, and the only real way to do that was to um, build a set and of course we started out with a plan to build a set of about like 16 houses or something um which ended up being three yeah um like uh three facades gardens walls footpath, road and then using shooting into that for all the kind of medium sized stuff um and flipping the lights flipping the car and all that kind of stuff when we're shooting reverses um and then shooting plates of that uh, set to extend it left and right. And then LiDAR scanning the set to build CG uh, for the extensions. And um, there's also a lot of 2D map paintings. Mm-hmm. for um, was, Yeah. So <laughs> it was quite a technical uh, challenge of a... Obviously, but but if you had a location, it would have been a lot easier. Of course, <laughs> you could just point the camera anywhere. Yeah. Um, but we had a lot of yeah a lot of restrictions, so it did need a lot of planning in terms of um, storyboarding and um, kind of visual research, aesthetics, um, color palettes. Like I normally do up for like
1: everything, it's do up like a palette of colors. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell it's a very designed kind of movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Welcome to Yonder, a wonderful development. It has all you'd need and all you'd want. Number nine. Number nine is not a starter home. This house is forever.
0: Play for a boy.
1: Do you have children? No.
0: It's not exactly what we're looking for. That guy was so strange. Yeah.
1: Wait, no, no, I don't think this is the right way.
2: Yeah, this is the way we came in
1: number nine again did we just do some kind of loop how if we just want me to drive such a jerk because i think it's not possible we can't make turns like this over and over we have gone this way tom oh my god
0: should we just sit here and we wait to die. <laughs>
1: So moving into the kind of visual design of Varian, mm. what at what point did that process start? Where you kind of you knew it was uh, the funding was definitely going to be there. Well, I had to do a lot of that to get the funding. Okay, so um, I had to make like a
2: lookbook, mm-hmm. which I basically thought of because it, you read the script, and you're like, yeah, okay. Like and a few people did, a lot of people did when we first sent it out to be, to be read. They were like, it's too weird, and it's too expensive because <laughs> it just seems impossible um yeah. uh the scenes you know it's just the you know it's how do you too do fantastical. That? yeah yeah um so i basically wrote like paragraphs and stuff with uh, for every kind of question that you could someone would ask you you know how are you going to do that so i wrote a thing explaining how i was going to do it and i'd have visual references of the kind of look of that and if it was technical i'd explain the technical um way that you solve that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um so made quite a quite
1: a It's like a reassurances document in a yeah, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was quite a slick document. Always good to try um, and get finances on board. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was good yeah, basically everything's there. Um so I d- didn't have to explain too much. And then also made this well that we got some development from film four. Um
1: and they so I, I think I did like a smallish book and the script um, so, so how do you, so just going back to that booklet process, how do you balance the uh, containing enough of that sort of reassurance information with not making it too weighty a document that, you know, people who are reading it through going to go, uh, I'm getting bored of this. I'm yeah, not gonna well, this. I mean,
2: I think I've learned how to do that maybe from um, uh, pitching and directing TV commercials mm-hmm. where you write a treatment. Yeah. Um, so you just try and be concise and just say what you want to say in a, in a small paragraph. And also have it beautifully designed by a graphic designer. Um, so it looks like something you want to look at. Yeah. Like we basically made a, a few copies of of the finished one. Um, we hardbound and made it like a coffee table book. Yeah, um, Which is, I don't know if that was a good idea or not. Because most people just
1: wanted a PDF. It's probably <laughs> a nice finish though, to be when you people in person. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So um, how long was this actual booklet? How many pages? Um, it
2: was probably about like
1: could have been like f- 50 pages or something okay maybe. yeah um so it'd have to be people who are serious about funding it would, yeah basically. but it's not like a
2: 50 page book that you to yeah. read it's, you kind of flick through it and like some
1: pages didn't have any text sparse at all and yeah and that's where like again your design, design, design skills come into play
2: yeah yeah, yeah. so it was um so film four um gave us some money then to I me mean, to do like a, a test like a proof of concept type thing um so made like a a full, little, a full kind of environment test, uh-huh. uh, fully CG, with a camera kind of going through the place right. and putting the sky the way I kind of wanted it and uh, the houses and the color of them and all that kind of stuff, um, so that we could show that it was possible. Yeah. Um, that it wasn't going to look shit. Yeah. And um, the design ended up changing a bit for the better, I think. Uh, you know, less CG-ish and all that kind of stuff. But, um, so we had that test um a kind of set a, a little kind of set thing where like I had a uh, you know CG showing the the three or like you know parts of, you know this is set this is CG yeah, a test to show this how is what the we're gonna build is, how the, and this is what we're gonna yeah. uh, add on and post and the action would take place here kind of
1: thing yeah. Um, and to show that the compositing would work perfectly with that, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, th- this one was more like, so there's the, the, the environment test that was kind of like almost photoreal. And then this other thing was just like blocks saying mm-hmm. like the blue blocks are set, the green blocks Right, are so more VFX, just a, a blueprint, yeah. Just for people to go like, oh, right, okay, got it, you know. Um, so we had those two videos that um, made like private link on Vimeo or something and the book, and the script
1: and that's kind of what went out then mm-hmm. to um the various people yeah so by this point you'd already had without name coming out was there sort of any uh prestige from that that you were able to sort of leverage yeah uh, yeah this? i mean you know it's like oh this
2: filmmaker he's he's uh his short film was in tribeca and say west and um uh, london and blah, blah blah and
1: and at toronto his new
2: film is the primary in toronto mm-hmm. and you know, it's all that kind of creating a bit of a buzz about yeah. new talents and all that kind of thing. Because everyone wants to be working with, you know, whatever is
1: groovy. <laughs> but these were applications you were sort of making, you know, here in the UK that were film for the first people to come on board with that funding. Or yeah. They? Yeah. So uh, Well, there's
2: first of all, the Screen Ireland um, yeah. paid for the development mm-hmm. of the screenplay. So, like, we, the very first process was writing an application for script development. Mm-hmm which we got, it's like 15 grand or 16 grand or something like that to write, like first draft, uh, script development thing. And was like, still
1: whilst you were making without name or? Um, yeah, it probably was. Yeah. yeah. So you were kind of making these two features of concurrently in a
2: way. Yeah, we always, I mean, we we're working on another three. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the life so, of a filmmaker. We were, yeah, totally. Yeah, you're yeah. kind of like three steps ahead. Fantastic. So, um, Tell me a bit about the funding process for Varium and the kind of different hoops you've had to jump through for that. So, I
2: mean, the producers did that really, you know, um, I didn't even really know what
1: they were doing
2: <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> like there was co, there's a co-production market in, um, in, I think it's in both Canada and, uh, Belgium called Frontiers, mm-hmm. um, that they put the project into. Yeah. Um, and it was selected, like, co-production market. So then the uh, Danish and Belgian co-producers came on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fracas, they made Raw. Yeah. Yeah. Raw? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they came a on from the Belgian side. Um, it, you know, with this kind of... Uh, there's, like, the soft funding approach to making films and the Euro kind of co-production model is getting a little bit of free money from all these different pots subsidies yeah and then shooting in countries with uh low tax credits yeah exactly uh you get like 40 percent high tax relief yeah and uh so that's why belgium is so popular really um i mean the people are lovely of course but uh (laughs) it's a tax (laughs) price um and so they so we got the the ping pong films from denmark came on and um fracas from belgium and then because we had an Irish, Belgian, Danish, because he had three European um, countries re- qualified for Euromage. Right. Which is another pot. Okay. So in Belgium, we got Wallomage, which is in the, the Wallonia region. Yeah. It's like regional funding for there, which was good, so I suppose. Um, and in Denmark, we've got the Copenhagen Film Fund and some money from um, the Danish Film Institute. Yeah. And in ireland gave us the most um was screen ireland yeah so then uh Euromage came in for a chunk as well um and i think that was it. and then the xyz were selling it uh we're gonna do the sales US on it because uh, i sales already action. had a relationship with them and they'd mm-hmm. read it and yeah you know so um they pre-sold to certain territories like uh i think germany and france yeah. and place like that to so there's the,
1: the pre-sales also went into the budget mm-hmm. um I think that's I think that's pretty much it and then over here is, is it vertigo handling the uk release or yeah. vertigo yes yeah over there <laughs> <laughs> fantastic
2: <laughs> and- um yeah they they
1: came they uh, they bought it uh like uh, at can or after can or something mm. like that. Mm. So, and how much do you, did you find you had to be clued in on all of that stuff to decide with the funding, or how much was it you working with other collaborators and key key collaborators?
2: Um, both, because I, I just like to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, it's it's interesting as well how these things yeah g- get made. So. Um, I really didn't have a clue, you know, because we only, without name, it was just very simple. It was like, here's money. Um, we'll see you when you finish the film, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So um, this was much trickier. Um, but there were, they, they weren't, they were there's nobody annoying us about changing things. Yeah. Which is good, um,
1: script-wise. No one trying to censor the film.
2: No, yeah. but, the, but the casting, like, there was a whole new thing with when it came to casting that I didn't realise about the, you know, actor valuation and all yeah. that kind of stuff that, like, you, you'd have a list of actors you like and they'd be like, no, 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 maybe, no, no, yeah. yes, no, no. And it's like,
1: oh, that list different, suddenly got very short. Because different actors are worth different sort of values in different territories. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And they have the same thing of, like, hype, people hyping them up, like, oh, they're in a movie, that's about to come out and it's uh, going to be, you know, it's going to be in Cannes and mm. they're going to be so hot and then... It comes out and it's not good, and do you know what I mean. And yeah, but they're all trying to play
1: off hype, so um, so that was all a eye opener. So how did you come to casting Jesse and, and Imogen? Um, so Jesse or
2: Imogen, I was it was always kind of like get Gemma first, and then we'll we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so her, I was kind of lucky in a, in a way. I'd signed with WME in the US for representation yeah Yeah. um at Toronto after without name um and I had sort of two agents working with me there um and one of them left um just when we were were casting like she was helping me cast uh Bavarium sending ideas and that kind of thing but then I heard that she bailed and she'd gone to um she'd gone to CAA Mm-hmm. The enemy for uh the, you know those two <laughs> yeah, uh, rival agencies. yeah So um I was like, oh okay. So I got, like, emailed her over there. I was like, so who got CAA then? So you kinda of had so to agents. Camp. Yeah. That's that's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Uh so she shared the script then because the, people are also very competitive. You know, They they want their clients to ha- to be getting the best stuff. So there was a bit of buzz about the script because it was unusual. And it was a good, really good female uh, lead role as yeah. well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Imogen's agent had read it and thought it was cool. And um, I think he called me, like typical Americans. They ring you like <laughs> 1 in the morning thinking like, hey, but I'm on L.A. time. Um, <laughs> And we set up a meeting anyway um, in London, and I met her, and we got on really well. We we talked about art and uh, books and photography and all that kind of stuff for I don't know a couple hours, Um, not really talking about the script, yeah, so much. And um, then I offered her the part because you know she wanted to check out that I wasn't crazy or something, and. (laughs) You know, that's that's kind of where they want to meet. Just <laughs> make sure that you're not going to be too weird. Um yeah. Just weird enough. <laughs> and, uh, she, and she'd seen my short film as well, uh, yeah. Foxes, and she liked it. And so um, she came on board. Um, and then I met up with her a couple of weeks later. And we started talking about who would cast as the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she suggested Jesse. And I was like, Good. you know, I, I was kind of just not trying not to think too much about who the guy would be because it would have to be based off who the girl would be. Yeah. First in terms of the size, you know, the, how they'd fit together. Yeah. 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 Um, so I was like, yeah, God, Jesse Eisenberg, that's, that's really interesting. So I quickly called the producers, um, because everyone, you know, there's a whole kind of sign off process, you know, where, um, the sales company have to say yes. And the financiers have to say yes. And, um, to the cast before you can put in official kind of offers for his contract and all that kind of stuff yeah so um i quickly called him and said jesse eisenberg i presume he totally works and they were like yes he totally works and i was like okay <laughs> so i went back in and said yes let's do it so she literally fired off the um scripts on her phone to jesse right because they knew each other okay and um he read it in like uh, only a couple of days. He got back saying he really liked it and wants to meet. Yeah, he's in, famously very diligent, isn't he? Right. Sense, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we met in New York, and he, yeah, we got on really well. He, he kind of, he reads a lot of, of scripts, and he th- thinks most of them are terrible. Um, of course. And he'd seen, um, he kind of, he'd seen bad versions of something like *Vivarium*, but yeah. they're all like really on the nose. And uh, less abstract and stuff, or um, metaphorical or um, allegorical, yeah. And so he loved it and um, wanted to do
1: it, and fantastic. Then we did it, yeah. yeah. That's great. And then you talked more about you talked a bit about the visual design. Obviously, the film has a really uh, specific kind of sense of colour and mm. um, framing and stuff, and. Yeah, was that was that sort of with you from the start? This kind of, you know, you knew that you wanted everything to be this kind of eerie, green. pale green colour. <laughs> um, yeah, pe- I mean, people right. coming of the screening, I heard saying, "I never want to see the colour green." <laughs> yeah, again. <I>
2: know, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah,
2: I'm interested in colour theory and the effects of colour. Um,
1: uh, like psychological effects of colour on mm. people in cinema and all that kind of thing. Because it's not just a health... Because green is... I quite like the colour green. It, yeah. A healthy, it can be a very healthy yeah, colour. exactly. But this is not... This is a sickly green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it's that, that weird lichen coloured green. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I mean, it, I think like in nature, you see green as like verdant and it kind mm. of makes you feel like, ah, like chlorophyll. Things yeah. are good. Um, but when you remove nature entirely... Mm. Um, and shift the hue a little bit. Um, it can. It's also the color of like poison. Yeah, uh, it has a very kind of toxic quality to it. Um, a little bit like the Wizard of, uh, of Oz as well, with the and actually that was kind of uh, in my mind. I think a little bit with the the yellow the clay yeah. in the uh, in the garden. Yeah, uh, and the green, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, so, I tell, I mean, when I did that CG environment test, yeah. I was playing around with the colours um, before doing it. And um, yeah, I kind of really liked the that tone of green because it, well, one, it's kind of sickly and it's kind of the colour of like a corpse or like toxic mm. waste to or poison or something. Yeah. And um, at the same time, it kind of is chirpy in, in a kind of wrong way yeah you know when you look at it it's not like you're i didn't want it to be all gloomy you know or gray or something like most horror films but to be presented as being uh chirpy and nice but the reality being horrible a little bit like the way like thematically the way these places are sold to you Um, they try and make it as friendly and nice as possible but then the reality is pretty great yeah. yeah 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 so um so yeah and then also the way the light bounces from that color onto um the actor's skin creates this kind of slightly
1: sickly skin tone Mm -hmm. so um yeah of course that's why they use green for green screens because it's like the most removed from human skin so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah there as well yeah so getting into like the themes of the film um obviously it's got that great kind of social slightly satirical edge it kind of reminded me of like a J.G. Ballard book Mm. like The Concrete Island or High Rise or one of these books where it's satiring kind of social urban architecture and stuff like that yeah where you get these sprawls of identical houses that look Mm. the same especially with these new builds yeah um but then obviously it's not just that you kind of then throughout the film um it it sort of starts to uh, really get underneath the character's skin and you kind of they start to sort of it starts to actually change them um, yeah and their roles that they've sort of set out for themselves yeah
2: yeah yeah the the environment sort of has so an that- impact on their
1: on them psychologically and yeah. their relationship and everything yeah so was that like uh, always part of the approach for this film or was yeah it- I mean it was in the scripts mm-hmm.
2: um that you know the beginning you know getting them in there was always uh, quite tricky even Tech, from a technical point of view um, getting them in there and stuck there yeah. uh, and then the middle is always about the relationship you know yeah because uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. it happens quite quickly like oh, I yeah. was, um, when I was going in I was expecting it to be much more drawn out but you actually you find that you know they're in, and they they quickly realise they're stuck. And then yeah, the rest of the yeah, takes yeah. Place I think we also
2: space. kind of learned that about just getting into. Because I think on Without Name we sh- we shot like additional stuff and ended up chopping it out. Um, you know, you just want to get into
1: the story. Yeah. So that's something you'd learn from your from your first feature, I guess. Where yeah, you, yeah. You know, just trying what's necessary and what isn't necessary. Yeah. Um, and we ended like before shooting, we
2: took out about fifty. I think it was like fifty-four scenes or something from Vivarium. Mm-hmm. Um, wow! Like literally the week before shooting. Wow! <laughs> because the schedule changed, yeah. and um, there were, you know small scenes. You know, in a script, it might be like uh, someone's in the garden, and then they it says exterior garden, then interior hall, then interior staircase, and they walk in and sit down on interior bedroom. Yeah, and that requires four camera setups whereas you could just go have them walk out in the in in the garden walk towards the front door and then walk into the bedroom door <laughs> yeah you know sit down and you've lost two scenes so it was, it was things like that throughout the film just like chop 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 chop.
1: um and when you have these changes happening um on a something you've worked on for you know several years um mm. how do you kind of Stay dedicated in, in that kind of situation and like stay kind of fixed and go Focus, on. yeah. Um, that's the. Uh, Without getting too precious about like, oh, it's ruined now, whatever, you know? Yeah, you just have to, yeah, try your best. <laughs> <Keep going. laughs> Blinkers
2: on. Um, yeah, that was the delusional kind of thing I was saying as well. <laughs> you have to keep on <laughs> believing that it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, I think trust in the process that like, you know films are, are so um there's such, it, there's such a process to them mm. with the pre-production planning the shooting all the nightmares that happen and then the, the edits where you're kind of remaking the whole thing yeah. um again so it all kind of the film will will be something at the end of us <laughs> 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 so trust that little um I, I think in some ways when you're making a film it's uh it kind of reveals itself to you because mm-hmm. you, you imagine things in a much more abstract, intangible sort of way. But, but then as you get people involved and you're shooting it, it kind of starts forming. Yeah. We're also edited um, both without name and Bavarium while shooting. Right, so we we're able to sort of see okay
1: it, it, scenes. So coming was that together sort of and, in the evenings of each shoot or at the weekends? How, what was well, the, the editor?
2: The rushes were getting sent. Like as we shot all the exteriors in Belgium and all the interiors in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So while shooting, the rushes were being sent back on drives uh, yeah. to the editor who was back in Dublin, just doing assemblies.
1: And the actual the set of yonder itself is that. Is that an exterior set, like outside the houses in the street? Is that an exterior or interior set? Interior, right? Okay. An exterior built interior.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a warehouse in Belgium. So it's fully Truman show then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I
1: wanted all the light to be very artificial as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, no. Well, it definitely succeeds in that. It gives right. you that That's kind nice. of claustrophobic feeling. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Any sort of advice for? Um, maybe filmmakers who are at that point where, say they've made a short and they wanna to jump to a feature. Yes, they're gonna
2: do it. I think a lot of people, um, I mean, maybe it's for good or bad, I don't really know, but like, I think it, a lot of people have such high self-regard or something that they are afraid to go mm. and make uh, their first film in case it turns out to not be not that good. Mm. Um, and that can kind of stifle them in a way, or that they think it needs to be a really big film and they need loads of money for it so they can't do a smaller film that they only like doing films it's going to cost like 20 million or something like that yeah um i know a good few people like that um mm. and it holds them back for so long but like i think it's just go make it and then make another one yeah you know <laughs> <It's> <laughs> if good you're advice. a filmmaker you know, just <laughs> try make films, Um and don't worry about it too much because we're all going to be
1: dead soon anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's a truly vivarium-like outlook. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Lorcan, thank you so much. Where where can people follow you online, or can they? Oh, yeah, um, it's Lorcan Finnegan, all one word, um, on Instagram and Twitter and Vimeo and stuff like that. Fantastic. And anything else you're working on? You, you mentioned you're working on three other things. Yeah, at the moment. And, um, uh, a new project called Nocebo,
2: which is... I think the new draft is, is, is reading it uh, like two days ago, is, uh, I think it's pretty much ready. Um, awesome. It's about... Uh, Isn't it's that kind of a similar to the genre? Or? Yeah, it's a supernatural revenge thriller about uh, fast fashion and the um, exploitation of the, of the East by the West mm. um, with a fashion designer and a Filipino uh, witch wow sounds great can't wait for that (laughs) and some spontaneous combustion and then another one called um goliath which is sort of dystopian um near future dark fable it's like a reimagining of the david and goliath story but it's Mm. about um it's about creating monsters to start wars
1: and steal natural resources yeah amazing so yeah. Uh, Are you sending your, your CV to Jordan Peel for the new Twilight Zone show? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually haven't seen any
2: of the new ones yet. I've heard um, I've heard mixed reports.
1: Yeah. Um but yeah, I wouldn't mind, yeah. Guest great. director, I could see that, yeah. definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining yeah, us. Pleasure. Yeah.
0: No worries. So that was lorcan finnegan wow one episode um (laughs) i haven't listened to it yet obviously because we're still recording the intro (laughs) intro yeah i'm talking to the audience but but robbie is it a great episode yeah
1: it's a great episode i think uh it's a bit more (laughs) maybe analytical and we go you know uh (laughs) <laughs> Some of the questions I like to ask are kind of uh, about like director's style and um, you know mm. how that style is consistent across different films. So I, I don't know. Hopefully, you guys found that helpful. Um, if not, don't send angry comments, please. But uh, <laughs> yeah, never. never. Um, but yeah, he's never. A, as especially you can when we do this for from the he's oh. a very he's a very kind of relaxed, um, sedate kind of guy. And um, yeah, hopefully. Uh, you enjoyed some of the pearls of wisdom that
0: you had to offer i hope so too do leave um reviews for us on itunes if you like this episode Mm. and there is so many um episodes that you can listen to a huge back catalog yeah And we were joking about mark
1: strong earlier but there is a mark strong episode (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> there really is And it's fantastic It's episode 19 Just search uh, Mark Strong's name And the Filmmakers Podcast And you will find it Other actors out there They fancy a bit of Scott Adkins Talking about action films mm-hmm. And working directors Or Timothy Spore The list goes on Plus we have so many producers Indie filmmakers Oscar winners uh, It's just Yeah If you, you want to help raise money We've got people doing Talking about that um, Directing How they work with talent Or kids Or animals It's just the list goes on And this is episode 100 56 so you can imagine there's hours and hours and hours for you while you're in containment where you're not allowed out you you can listen to podcasts yeah it's all a good not?
1: motivational
0: absolutely fuel
1: for you for you and your creative endeavors
0: i like that motivational fuel for you <laughs> <laughs> that's good that is good. It's the ad copy. Uh, and also do... <laughs> yeah, there it is, the ad copy. And do remember uh, the Make Your Film uh, online event. Uh, click the link. Do join us on Monday the 6th. It's going to be brilliant. I mean, hey, we've not done it before, so it might fuck up. But uh, the, the guests no, are No, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Finn Glynn, Jack Binder, and uh, Colin Gowdy. What more do you want? Uh, and do uh, go watch The Dare and Serial Killer's Guide to Life. And go on Robbie's website, com, <laughs> And check out our stuff. <laughs> thanks giles <laughs> why not uh pleasure thank you for listening do leave us a nice review uh, wherever you are and remember you can make your indie form but know who your audience is and get out there and do it and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well
1: you gotta send that elevator back down giles
0: you certainly do, Robbie. <laughs> uh, we sound like cheesy DJs right now. <laughs> cheesy cheese, yeah. Um Okay, until next Tuesday, where I think I might put up uh, the Make a Film event as a podcast. Uh, if not, that will go Ooh, up the week after. Um, we do have Alex Ferrari coming up, where he's giving away copies of his book, Film Entrepreneur, which is brilliant, by the way. It's exactly nice. what you need right now. And we also have Bernard Pulcher coming up. Uh, Bernard Pulcher coming up as well and uh, some other amazing guests lined up so exciting so exciting fantastic but until then robbie
1: stay safe and stay motivated
0: everyone please do um until next time take care Bye-bye. bye bye